0: So Kristen will introduce the podcast and me, and then Priya will bring you in. So don't say anything before that.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to First Impressions, the podcast where we talk about our love for Jane Austen and all Jane Austen-related media and give a big middle finger to all the haters. I am Kristen, and I'm joined, as always, by Maggie. Hi, everybody. Happy to be here. And we're thrilled to welcome again to the podcast, our dear friend Priya, Bridgerton expert, <laughs>
2: extraordinaire, Priya. Welcome. Yeah. Welcome back, Priya. Hello. I'm really excited to be back. And man, I'm nowhere near an expert, but I will, I will happily chat about this with anybody all the time. I think it was...
0: The, perhaps it was the actual day season two dropped. Priya texted me, don't talk about Bridgette with Kristen until I could come on the <laughs> podcast. Please, please, please. <laughs> if not the day of, it was very soon thereafter. And of course, we are delighted to have her back with us.
2: That's so much fun last time. <laughs> I think we're going to kick it
0: off just by talking about our general impressions of season two, uh, which focuses on Antony. And his very Kiss Me Kate-inspired relationship with Kate Sharma. Can
1: we just, point of clarification, is it Anthony or Anthony? Because I feel like they weren't consistent. I believe it is spelled Anthony, but they pronounce it Anthony because they're
0: British. Is that correct? I have not read the book, so maybe Priya remembers from the book. Do they have the H in there?
2: Yeah, the H is definitely in there, and I feel like in the show... For the most part, they said Anthony.
0: I can't but think of anyone of my... who says Anthony with it, with this.
2: Anth- Anthony. Anywho. Okay. So <laughs> what did you guys think of season
0: two? Can't wait to hear.
2: <laughs> Priya, Please. Um. Yeah. So I really liked it for a wide range of reasons. One of which is, this is one of my favorite books in the series. And it's because I really love Kate mm. as a character. I just, there's something about her that her like energy that I just really always loved. Um, And then, of course, they added in and made her brown in this season, and that was 100% something I was there for, because it's not often you get a South Asian romantic lead in a show. And so um, I really, really liked it. I know that there are pieces of it, and we can talk about this later, that I was like, "Uh, I don't know if you needed this, but um, on the whole, I really, really enjoyed it. And especially, I watched it for the second time around, and Mm -hmm. I was like last weekend, and I definitely was reminded about it was just in the slow burn tension, which was different from the first season. I really, really enjoyed. So.
1: Oh man. I, I have to say that that a plot with Anthony and Kate was firecrackers for the first whole half of the season. It was so watchable. It was so good, both the actor and actress. I think he's Jonathan Bailey Jonathan Bailey and um, shoot, I just lost my IMDb. Uh, Simone know? Ashley, yes, yeah, Simone Ashley, and she from the first second she was on the screen, incredibly charismatic and gorgeous. I remember the very first scene where she has that teal riding habit and she just pulls it off, and she's that huge braid, and I just like almost sucked a breath in because she was so stunning. Not that she'll she have to talk about costuming actress, as well. She was a good actress. And yeah, mm-hmm. and their give and take, their back and forth. It was so sparky. I thought that the the plot, this is true of both the book and the movie for me. It was very comprehensible why Antony didn't want to fall in love, first mm-hmm. of all, and fall in love with her, secondly, because in any other scenario, you'd be so frustrated. You'd just be like, This is unnecessary. Just marry the one that you want. You know what I mean? And for them there to be such a cogent reason why he wouldn't do that made it gave the story like that believability, which um, I will. Sorry, say- Kristen, if I can ask one question, which episode was it where we see the flashbacks with his father's
0: death and then his mother was that the second episode, it's the second or the
2: third one. It's early okay. on.
1: It's
0: early Cause I on. agree with you once they established that. And especially once we saw how broken his mother was when he died. I thought it made a lot more sense.
1: In the horrible situations he was put in. But I wanted to just round out my first impressions by saying every other B and C plot irritated the hell out of me. Mm. (laughs) Yeah. And then the second part of, of the show, right. Or after the big wedding, which obviously is a disaster catastrophe. I can't handle wedding uh, weddings that don't go right. It's my one thing where I just like I'm in agony if I have to watch a wedding that doesn't I go right. You're one I thing, wrong. Kristen. You're I'm one thing. Not my one thing, but my one of my bigger <laughs> things. Uh, and and then then it got so it was such a downer, right? Mm-hmm. That it those episodes were a struggle. Not that they weren't good, but for me, uh the pleasure of the series it was mainly in the first half.
0: Okay. Um I really enjoyed season two. I did a complete rewatch of season one and season two um, because I wasn't sure if I, which one I preferred, but I think at the end of the day, I did prefer season two. And for me, um, it's interesting that you said that about the other plots, because I found the subplots in season two, much more compelling except for Benedict (laughs) who is the worst and boring, but like, yes, the A plot really great, totally invested, but Everything with all the other siblings and especially with Penelope, since now we know she's Lady Whistledown um, and like how she's doing that balancing act. I found everything else, the stuff with the Featheringtons, who I like did not care about in the first season. I just found all of that a lot more compelling. I guess I, my problem with the structure, it was in season one, like they got married halfway through and then it was kind of like the falling in love with the person, the finding the real person you married, right? Like learning who they are. My only problem is I thought that the slow burn was a little too slow. Uh, by the time we got to the wedding and they still <laughs> hadn't figured it out, I was just like, I threw my arms up and I was just like, this is, yeah. I can't. I cannot deal with this. So for me, that slow burn was a little too slow. But I I I mean, I liked it better in season one and I loved season one. So I really enjoyed it.
2: Like yeah, this, and this is where some of the book to show difference comes in, where like they had to make changes because then it would have been way too close to season one mm. um, with some elements. But I kind of wish some things they had kept in because it would have made some. Some of the issues make more sense, but I am in between the two of you where like some of the subplots, Mm -hmm. I was like, oh my God, the Featheringtons, I don't want to talk to you at all. (laughs) (laughs) I know where they have to be there because we need some pen stuff. I totally understand. But I also just like, I like Colin and Penelope. And so I was like, I enjoy this more of the two of you. And I get in high, like knowing now that season three is going to be Colin and Penelope, Penelope and not Benedict, Margaret. Thank God. Like, what? <laughs> um, I, don't know why I just called you Margaret. That's okay. <laughs> I know what you're saying. I've never called you Margaret in my life. But yeah, they, um, I think th- it made a lot more sense as to why those pieces were in there. But I do think that like watching it the second time, the slow parts in the middle after the wedding were didn't feel as slow anyway. well there's only two episodes
0: after the wedding wedding was what episode six or something like that there were what eight total oh that's sh- true so I should have prepared like, for this right <laughs> maybe
2: it's like four four and five three four and five the first time I saw it felt like there were stuff they could have edited it's it's a, it's a weird season in that like it feels they could have used two more episodes but also it felt like Parts of it were slow. Does here's, that make sense? That's yes, theory.
0: but here's my question: It's just like pandemic life—like it's slow and then super fast, right? How do we feel about the distinct lack of sex compared to season one? Like once uh, Daphne and the Duke are married, it's just like two solid episodes of boning. Like, <laughs> and this we really didn't get that much. And I think like that's the story they're telling, right? And I think they tried to use Benedict's story to spice it up, but like nobody cares.
1: <laughs> oh, <for Benedict. laughs> no whatever bless his heart oh,
0: he, he's the worst
1: <laughs> oh you. he's just
0: like so woe is me like, like whatever be his time for you
1: and they didn't um, have anything to do they're like let's have him try drugs like they just did they were like let's do wacky stuff um
0: and then he ends up quitting the art school at the end so it was like for nothing it was just like a big i don't know but my point is like was that disappointing to any of you because at first i was kind of like oh, like, I like this hot, slow burn stuff, but this isn't exactly why I tune into Bridgerton, you know?
2: (laughs) I was expecting there to be a lot more. And then Mm. when there wasn't, I wasn't as disappointed as a lot of people. I was, um, so I was just at the pool and I was talking to a friend and she said that was actually one of the things she liked about it, where (laughs) she was like, yeah, the other stuff is fun, but for this particular storyline, it didn't work. Yeah. it didn't. It, it just wouldn't have worked. Um, you could watch this season with your mom, for yeah. all.
1: But like not it, season one. <laughs> it, exactly. For all, there was no sexy, you know, naked sex scenes. Right. Um, there were a number of uh, very emotionally intense moments mm-hmm. with I thought where it's a nice stand-in for the sex that still drew me in. the The most notable one being, which is also important scene in the book for different reasons. When they're in the I garden and yeah, the bee song by the bee, it was so well done. It Was so it could have been like comical. It could have been easily poorly done.
2: I mean, in the book, it's a little comical. Yeah, and like, it didn't he like suck on her breast to like try to suck out, to the, to suck venom out or the poison? poison. Yes, yeah, to yeah. suck yeah. out the venom. He's, like, he's right, having right. a panic attack, but the yeah. way Julia Quinn writes it is it you don't really realize is that you're just like, why is he freaking out? I don't know. I mean, like I think we know in the book at that point why he's freaking out, but. But in the show, they did a really good job talking, like showing someone who's really affected mentally by yes. the situation with his dad. And I thought, I mean, both of them acted the heck out of that scene. I, I thought, thought Jonathan Bailey was
0: incredible. I Actually, that episode, I thought was an incredible episode of television. I thought that Jonathan Bailey was incredible in that episode. And I thought, and I have my IMDb and I still don't know her name. Um, the woman who played Violet, I oh, thought was demo. amazing with her... In labor and like, get him out of here. It's not his decision. Like, this is my decision kind of thing. And then the aftermath with her grief and depression, Um when she's like that baby that didn't have the grace to, to kill me kind
2: of lines.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, I thought that was, she was just heartbreaking. I thought she was so good. She was so incredible. Yeah.
2: And it's actually really interesting thinking about that scene after learning about it in season one, when Daphne and Eloise are talking about it. Like, aren't you like, afraid?
0: Like, I remember mama screaming, that kind like of thing. Like,
2: that night was so awful. And then you see it and you're like, oh, wow, this is, yeah. Um, yeah, it was just good. I And the one thing I wanted to mention about Simone Ashley in, like, the B scene and the various high-tension scenes, she does a lot of, and this is a positive, a lot of really excellent face acting mm-hmm. We're like, her face is very still, but yet you can still get what emotions she's trying to portray. And it's like with her eyes or just like little facial tics that I thought was like, it was just brilliantly done. Yeah, she's,
0: she's really fantastic. Good. Let me ask you both a question. This is something that I thought it kind of bothered me through it. And I don't know if it's just me. So I was hoping to get some either confirmation or like, no, you're crazy. So... The whole thing with like Kate and Anthony is they both feel that like every decision they make has to be for their family and out of their like sense of duty, right? Which I totally understand for Kate. With Anthony, they try to set it up with a couple montages of him like working so late at night on the books and all of this stuff. But the whole point or at least half of season 1 was him running away from his responsibility. As the Viscount remember Violet had to several times go into his yes. office and give him talks about, are you the Viscount yeah, or not? Yeah. Are you the head of this house or not? Cause it seems to me like you just want to run around with your opera singer.
1: He has so, a line and uh, you're absolutely right. And he okay, has a good. line in episode one where he's like, I'm the Viscount and whoever I marry will be the head of this family. And she'll shepherd, you know, sh- you know, the female head of the family, she'll shepherd all of my sisters to their comments. It's like, dude, you have, first of all, you have brothers to produce heirs. Secondly, yeah. Violet is not going anywhere and she's doing that fine. So it didn't make a ton of sense. So I completely. Agree yeah, with but there, I just,
0: I-, I struggled with his um, um, after seat, after episode two, like I was saying, I got it. He would rather just marry someone he didn't love out of duty. Because then he wouldn't have to deal with the devastation if something ha- like love yeah. is too dangerous. Right. right. It's too risky. Um, and that I understood. But this whole idea where everything I've done, every choice I've made has been for my family. And like it just didn't ring true right. to me with the events of season one where he's like a famous rake himself.
1: There's even a scene in season one where he. he- Hastings, right? The Duke of Hastings has mm-hmm. to marry and he's like pointing to Anthony saying, hey, you need to do this soon. He's like, I have something you don't have, brothers. And it's Yeah, like, exactly. Established. Yeah, um, so that ahead, I do.
0: definitely, that bothered me kind of as put as a motivation for him. I just didn't feel like the show had earned that.
2: Yeah, I mean, another way to think about it is that like it, it's separating his roles of Viscount in terms of like doing the books and taking care of the estate and his roles of Viscount for marrying and producing heirs. And I feel like what he was running away from in season one was the marrying and producing heirs bit until he sort of they wanted to explain why he didn't want to fall in love. And they sort of set it up because his heart was broken by the opera singer. I think that um, the one piece again, if you don't mind me bringing up book stuff, I think the one piece that they took out of the show that's in the book is that he thinks he's going to die at 40. Oh, that's right. And so Hmm. like when his why cuz his
1: dad died young yeah, he thinks he just, he's in anaphylactic his brain. he's going to have anaphylactic shock like his
2: father. Oh yeah so his his they they did a good job in the show of being like he doesn't want to inflict that kind of pain on a loved one by falling in love if something were to happen to him but they never quite take that step in the show that says it's because he thinks he's going to die you know afforded. if they had done
0: that i would have bought it a lot more and there's so much stuff in bridgerton where actually some stuff doesn't make sense to me but it's because I don't have a kind of male perspective. I remember in season one, I thought the Duke being like, I won't marry someone I love and be happy because I have to blow up my own life to get revenge on a guy who's dead. <laughs> I was like, this is so dumb. It makes no sense. And Bay's like, Mm-mm, that is, that's what men do. <laughs> He's like hundred percent. This is, this is real. Men would rather blow up their own lives despite someone who does not care. Because, like, to them, it's important. And then, what you're saying, Priya, I remember most of the men on the Riley side of my family, my father's side, died young because we have a history of heart problems. And when my dad lived past the age his father had died, I remember he, it was like a midlife crisis, but he definitely talked about, like, I didn't, I honestly did not think I would survive this long, like, just because of the history of men in my family. Yeah. It was very surprising also- to him.
2: They also mention in the book that it's not just his father, that because mm. I just read this. His uncle died early as well. Yeah. And then some other family member also died. OK, so there's there like a like history a of men in the family
0: not which, being long lived. That would make so much more sense. They should have left that in.
2: Of, yeah. Yeah, and I, I wonder if part of the reason they didn't was because they were establishing this whole, like, head of the household, head of the household thing. Well, yeah, to be in, like, really duality like, with
0: Kate, right? Yeah, yeah. I can see the that.
2: book, Kate's issues are partially head of the household, but they're also partially because of this traumatic incident that they didn't include at all. In, is
0: this the thing about thunderstorms? Thing. There was yeah, something about yeah, thunderstorms? I've heard people talk about this.
2: But it's about, she's, she witnessed her, well, in the books, Anthony is not the one who witnessed his father dying. Um, I think it's one of the two of the younger kids. Oh, Um, interesting. And then Kate is the one who witnesses her mother dying. And that's what her traumatic thunderstorm memory is. Um, But they, they changed it. And again, I think it's because they really needed to strip down the complications. And they also probably thought there's like a level of trauma with what Kate's story is that they just didn't know. Like, it would just be really hard for two people who have this level of trauma to sort of figure their stuff out in the course of eight episodes. (laughs) Um, Um,
0: I would like to... We've talked about a bunch of characters. I want to give a shout out to Edwina. Oh yeah. Because especially in season two, when I rewatched season two, um, the first time when we got to the wedding episode, I was like, I like that girl. She's, she's good. And so my season two rewatch, I purposely paid a lot of attention to her. And you get a lot more hints of like her having this like kind of spine of steel, earlier that I hadn't picked up on. But I I love this theme of the season of being like Edwina learning who she is. It's kind of like season one, right? It's all about people learning who they really are. And it was like Edwina learning who she is and what actually would make her happy. And I just really loved that she had her own arc independent of Kate. And at the end of the day, she's like, I'm going to do what makes me happy.
2: I was trying to figure out how to pronounce her name because even though I am South Asian, I'm not 100% sure. But it's um, Charitra, I think. Um, Chandra is her name. And so she was also, I agree. I think that change was also really great. Like just how she sort of owned her own life mm-hmm. at the end. And then she's I- going to marry that prince.
0: Yeah. From Germany. And it's going to be great. Um, one weird thing about Edwina I pinged on and loved the whole season, which is super weird. I try not to comment on people's bodies, but I have to say her... Breasts had some like stretch marks and I loved it because how often do you see that? They didn't put makeup on it to get rid of it. Like this just happens. If you like overnight grow boobs when you're younger, like you get little like stretch marks on your boobs, and they didn't try to hide it. And as someone who that happened to, I I thought that was actually that made me happy. <laughs> it just made me happy. They didn't put makeup on it and try to hide it or anything and like. It's all on display. And I, I thought that was a nice piece of realism.
2: Yeah. And can I actually say, I think generally in terms of appearance on the show, and I think we said this last year, what season one is, I really appreciate that they have clearly lighting designers and cinematographers. Yes. Yes. The color on the show. And are really good about this. And I bring this up because like the slight tangent, but like, if you watch the new version of around the world in 80 days, they do not how to do not know how to light the the gentleman that plays Passport Two, who's mm. very dark skin, an amazing actor, but he's playing off against David Tennant and this red haired woman with pale skin, and like there are scenes where like. You cannot see his face in this yeah. in the scene. Whereas in Bridgerton, they're just amazing. They Everyone look
0: fantastic. Great. Do you know who my favorite character? I think my absolute favorite character still remains Lady Danbury, who <laughs> I am just like obsessed with. And I even happened on an audiobook, I didn't know she was narrating it. Oh but as God. soon as she started talking, I was freaking out in my office. And Bay's like, What was are you doing? Natalia
2: Hibbert book? Because it I- was
0: uh it was called Island Queen.
2: Oh, okay, so different um, one.
0: It's yeah. about a woman who basically like starts off as an enslaved person in one of the Caribbean islands and then basically just through hard work and tenacity ends up creating like her own kind of like little empire on her island and becoming one of the wealthiest women um, mm-hmm. kind of in the British empire. And it was real. but she reads it and she's amazing. And as soon as she started talking, I was just like transported
2: Yeah. So that happened to me because I was listening to Talia Hibbert's Get a Life, Chloe Brown, Mm -hmm. um, which is the first in a trilogy. And they changed for various reasons. I don't know why they changed it, but they changed the readers for the second two books in the series. But for this one, I was like listening and I was like, who is this voice? I cannot tell who this is, but their voice is amazing. Who is this person? And then I looked it up and I was like, oh my gosh, it's Lady Danbury. Well,
0: what you're saying about lighting, um, as a very white person, that is not something I always ping on. Um, I will say everyone looked stunning. And I will also say I married someone who is still a white guy, but Bay, a lot of people think that he is maybe like Egyptian or something. He just has like kind of a olive complexion or whatever. It is very difficult to get pictures of the two of us (laughs) because I'm so pale. And so when we had our wedding photographer, we were like, look at us make notes, like get ready. Cause we need to look good. And it's either I'm completely washed out or like you're saying, you can't see his face that happens to us all the time. So I can't even imagine like for someone who is actually dark complected, the challenges with that, it must be so incredibly frustrating in Hollywood.
2: Yeah. And I think that's just one of the great things about the show. That's like, can't like on the side, right? Like I think it's emphasizing the need to have people who understand how to do sets and things for
0: well my understanding is that behind the camera reflects the same dedication to diversity as in front of the camera i mean shonda is not gonna mess around when it comes to. although the wigs in season one were not good just
1: saying (laughs) Should we, is this a good time to sort of, and this is something we talked about before we started the the podcast, so I don't want to forget to retouch on it, but should we revisit the conversation about colorism that people were having about Bridgerton after season one and talk about how it, how it was for you this time, Priya?
2: Yeah. So I, I, I think most of the stuff, the scuttlebutt that I listened to was a lot of deeply appreciative South Asian women, especially because um, I'm in this chat with like 12 of my female cousins um, that they didn't pick someone who is quote unquote, fair and lovely, which is like the Indian thing. Um, I thought that was incredible to have a dark skinned yeah. lead. Yeah. And I wonder how much of that was influenced by the, the feedback they got the yeah. season before. And, and if it is, I'm glad they're willing to listen and make choices um, based on that. So I really, really appreciate that. And just, It's not really so much about colorism, but all the South Asian touches Mm -hmm. in the show were really great. And I know that they were, like, from all sorts of regions of India. Like, their things were, like, they call their dad Appa, but that's one part of India. But they use language from another part of India. Mm -hmm. And so it's just sort of this, like, amalgamation. But I think... Oh, Again, yeah, I was talking to my cousins and my friends and they're like, we just felt seen. And yeah. it was just like really nice to be like, my favorite part was the part where she's putting oil in her sister's air, which is a mm-hmm. deeply comforting thing. My family, my mother would do for us on like a Friday night. And it was just it's just something we would do for one another. And it's really nice. Or the holy ceremony or the conversation about tea.
0: <laughs> yeah. Like your tea is terrible because <laughs> she's been drinking chai. She
2: doesn't like yeah. English tea. Yeah. Yeah. So all of that was just, it was just really nice. And then even like the clothing they were wearing. Oh, like, oh like, my God. The, the
1: colors. Average.
0: Oh now yeah. I thought it was very interesting. Edwina was very much still like pastel city, right? She was like trying to fit in with the like British, the Bridgertons, like perfect pastel Regency England. But I just loved, Kate was like, I'm going to wear teal. I'm going to wear bright orange. I'm going to wear purple. Oh, stunning. So stunning. Really
2: great. And so I just thought that attention to detail was nice. And I know not everyone was happy with, like, most of the people in my circles really appreciate the South Asian touches. I think there are other parts of the community because we're all, we're not a monolith. Like everyone's a little bit different wish that they had tried to be a little bit more accurate. Like if they are yeah. a family coming from this particular part of India, they would call their father. This, they would do this, but I think they were trying to reach out to a large range of the diaspora. Right. Um, and this is just me thinking that not knowing necessarily from, but I, it just felt like there's some intentionality instead of, because if they're going to pick South Asian actresses for these roles, it feels weird that they wouldn't have South Asian people help dictate the elements as well. Yeah, And so, um, but I just haven't read a lot of articles about it. And I will say I kind of, because I wanted to like the season, I kind of stayed away from critical pieces. Mm -hmm. Um, And so again, I will admit that like, we are not a monolith. Not everyone thinks the way I did or the way my cousins did, but generally though, all I've heard is feeling seen and really glad that they were there. And also I'm kind of glad that, it seems like we're going to see Kate and Anthony together happy in season three. We kind
0: of have to, right. I mean, like with Daphne and the Duke, it's like, oh, well they live so far off and like hand wave, he's busy, but I mean, Anthony's the Viscount. He runs yeah. the place. So, um, Priya, can you remind me of the significance of the design? If you know, like, I don't I don't want to assume, you know, everything, right. Yeah. Um, of the design they were painting on the floor when they were going to host their kind of like joint ball. Isn't that, isn't that something too like of South Asian, the design that they were painting?
2: You know, that wasn't actually something I thought about because I feel like they had done that in season one in other episodes where they did artwork on the floor. But mm -hmm. there is a practice in some parts of South Asian culture uh, where you do something called Rangoli, which is uh, before, at least my family does it before the volley and before some of Mm -hmm. our major holidays where you take sand and you draw sand art on the ground. Or now okay. you can get these things were like, they're like preset kits. Like decals. Like, offline, <laughs> like decals and you just put them down and they look pretty and stuff like, and I took mine and turned it into a painting and stuff like that. But yeah, I didn't actually think about that as being one of the sort of knots to it because I feel like when Lady Danbury held a ball in season one, they were also doing the floor art. Um,
0: just, I had come across it as referenced in an article and I couldn't remember,
2: but I did you know,
0: a pre, I, I, as a, a viewer who is not familiar with South Asian cult, um, like cultural references and things like that, I appreciated that they didn't feel the need to shoehorn exposition to tell me about it. Oh well, we do this for blah blah blah. No, like if you're interested, go look it up and learn about it. <laughs> it it felt it, like, it felt very organic.
1: It felt yeah, organic.
2: Uh, I just like how Irina was like, "Do you, have you read?" This in South Asian Bengali author, and Anthony's like, "I don't actually read.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, what how what how wonderful. I love to talk to people about books I've read. So oh, she's thing. such a sweet girl. She's such a nice girl. Uh, did you guys notice that Anthony had a real glow up between? season one and season two I, he looks yeah, like really different <laughs> i
1: i i was not happy that the the sideburns uh were trimmed back i <laughs> i really wanted the aggressive and anthony sideburns and was disappointed not to get it i felt they that diminished his sex appeal for me he, he was very <laughs>
0: colin firth in pride and uh pride and prejudice in season one yeah. and then in season two he was just like There's more kind more of shaped. typical beefcake
2: yeah <laughs> Yeah. 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 <laughs> um, I asked my cousin in India. I was like, so uh, well, I asked everyone, I'm doing this podcast. What was your favorite thing? What was your least favorite thing? And my cousin came back and was like the hotness of Jonathan Bailey. <laughs> <laughs> she was like, that was one of the best things about the season was a pre
0: uphold all of <laughs> India. And these were the results. We love Jonathan <laughs> Bailey. Hey, Actually,
2: my 12 cousins who live in Singapore,
0: America. <laughs> Bay had a, Bay had a really interesting question that I don't, I don't know if any of us are qualified to answer, but he was wondering if there was any pushback against the actress who played Kate with her. You know, we do see her breasts in the last episode and there is, uh, there are sex scenes depicted with her and, you know, um, the film industry in India is much more conservative. You won't you don't even have actors kissing, uh, a lot of the time. So, I would be interested to find out if yeah, like so the international press has any pushback on her.
2: A couple things. I will say that the Indian movie industry used to be. Like, okay, good. It's on there. So a lot of the modern movies there, and I will admit that like being raised in 1990s South Asian household, where like you change the channel, if they even like you're watching an American show and someone's kissing um, with, um, I've modern Indian movies or sex scenes, they're like out of okay, good. Well, I just didn't
0: want I just didn't want any like like, negative attention on her for that. Because I mean I I would take that role. It's like the best show on like the highest rated show on Netflix. Like, don't turn that
2: down. Yeah, I'm sure there are groups that Mm -hmm. there's always groups that are like, why would you do that? But she's also an actress that was on sex education. And so really I feel like, yeah. And then also Netflix India has like a whole slate of shows that are oh, there's are so like, many
0: good shows on Netflix some, from India.
2: Yeah, now. and so they're just like secret games or things that are like really violent and like mm-hmm. and I, I, that I think crosses like, because they are private, they are able to cross a line that like the censor boards in India don't really control. I think. Oh, okay. Way. So I think again, I'm not an expert. I don't really understand how this stuff works um, in India, but my sense is that things are. Not completely open, but a little bit more open. Well,
0: people talk a lot about how Netflix had changed television, right? And the ways it kind of revolutionized the industry. And for me, as an American, one of the things I think is incredible is how much international television we now get. I mean, look at Squid Game as a Korean show. Um, And there's also some amazing Indian series on there. There's some amazing things I've seen from Mexico and South America Uh, and just the I can't think of any other time where we had such access to international television. And that's pretty incredible because our, to our media is beamed out all over the world and has been for a long time, but that is not the case with things coming into us. Yeah. And so that's really cool that we can see things from other areas of the world.
2: Yeah. I will say, and this is going back to Bridgerton a little bit. I think that's also the other reason why, Netflix has really led, despite all their other issues that they are having right now behind the scenes, some of which I do not love. I think having someone like Chandra Rhimes brought into their fold gives them the opportunity to do things that other streaming networks are now considering the norm, right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, And so the other piece this made me remember was um, there was a little bit of a class conversation this season as well, Mm -hmm. Um, just because the father was... um, he was, he was like, like a, a tradesman, a clerk. Clerk, a, clerk, a, clerk, a clerk, a clerk, a clerk, and, um, and Eloise damn. becomes a
0: revolutionary. Oh yeah.
2: yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah and this right. Sharma's parents are like major jerks. Oh They're my God. And it was Giles. It, yeah. Oh,
0: yeah. yeah, yeah was Giles is an
2: asshole.
0: Oh no. Anthony, <laughs> <laughs> Anthony, Anthony Stewart had, how could you?
1: <laughs> that was one of the scenes where I feel like it's very easy to have, I don't know, bad characters who you're supposed to dislike the first time they come on scene and they spew all this nastiness at the dinner table, which is, I don't know if you kind of think no one would act that way. And and you kind of be like, you're kind of thinking like, I'm being manipulated, you know, you know like this isn't good writing. <laughs> like, I don't know, but you really, they really didn't have time. I, I think, it, I think it was fine, but um, that was a, you know, a marriage that was, Um, a white man and an Indian woman, and it was sort of not portrayed in a very positive light. But I don't know. I think it was just for reasons of plot, right? They had to be the bad guys. They had yeah. to be the meanies. Right. So I don't know, Kristen, like seeing all these people
0: posting about after Trump got elected, like how awkward Thanksgiving dinner was. Cause you always have the like yeah, that's racist uncles and stuff yeah, like that. That's... It did not feel not real.
1: It felt very realistic. <laughs> to me. Yeah. The family <laughs> reunion, like they started in on her, their daughter almost immediately. Oh, they were yeah. just horrible people. But what like a fist pump moment when,
0: uh speaking about classism, like Antony, who is, has the highest rank of anyone there, and it's not even his own house, but he's basically like, get the fuck out, yeah, and they have to do what he true. says. Yeah. Like, someone actually leveraging their power for, to power us power. as an audience yeah. member for good to put someone, like, to be like, this is not acceptable, get out.
2: Yeah, and yeah, I do not mean that to one? complain too much. Is that the scene after he leaves where he and Kate are in a room, and he goes, you're the bane of my existence and the object of my desires or is that later he says that twice I'm, to her
0: it's in like the last episode and i think he does it because she also says you vex me
1: yeah. twice yeah. which didn't make a ton of sense they were still saying those things to each other this is what i'm talking about so kristen and i was like get it, 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 it on kids <laughs> at, at that at that point i was like this has gone on a little too long it doesn't make sense anymore they clearly have caught feelings i mean the whole b scene and everything but priya like before we get too far like Do you want to just give people a rundown on how the book differed from the show? Just like the the broad (laughs) sketch. I think that's really interesting.
2: Yeah. So I'll try and do my best. So in the book, Anthony is clearly again, also uh, he wants to marry Edwina because she's like perfection, whatever. And he still has to get Kate to like him in order to marry Edwina. And so they go to the house party and everyone's at the house party. And, but he finds himself like weirdly attracted to Kate. So he falls her into the garden and that's when the bee sting happens. And he's basically just like, as we mentioned before, trying to suck the venom out. And he gets compromised by Lady Featherington, his mother, and someone else. And at that point, they're like, his mom obviously knows what happens because she's like, oh, shit, there was a bee. I know why he's acting this way. But everybody else does it. And he's like, well, of course, I'm going to marry Kate. So they get compromised and have mm. to get married. Oh. So, yeah. So they get married. And then he, he tells her, though, straight up, though, that there's never going to be love. I'm never going to love you. He's like, this is just, we're just getting married. It's clearly we're attracted to each other, but I don't love you. So they get married and then um, they have some kind of fight, which I know I can't remember what it is right now, but they have some kind of fight and he realizes he's a jerk and he realizes he loves her basically. And he, he basically starts a fight. And so she le- like, he disappears and then she goes to look for him and he's out there and so she goes on a carriage ride with Edwina and her beau, who's this like cerebral library bookish guy. Oh, this is very and, different. Yeah. And the carriage gets out of control and flips. Oh, and shit. Kate gets trapped. And so Anthony, realizing he loves her, goes to go find her in the park, sees the carriage thing happen and thinks she's dead. And so he goes to the carriage, sees she's not dead, but it's like, at that point, he's like, it was supposed to be me. It was supposed to be me. And Kate's like, fuck are you talking about (laughs) and that's when he explains. i thought i was gonna die at 40 and that's why and so then they end up together i'm glad i didn't
0: die at 40
2: yeah i'm over 40 (laughs) but there's all this beautiful backstory with kate where like she's like four years old and she goes to see like her mom has caught like lung fever and in the middle of a storm She goes, no one's paying attention because they know the mom is going to die. And so Kate comes into the room and right as like lightning strikes a tree outside their window, their mom sits up, her mom sits up, gives her last gasp of breath and dies. And so Kate is like horribly traumatized by storms. So the intense scenes between them are in these moments when she's just like, where he's kind to her because like he finds her in the library during a storm and she's curled up under a table. And he's just like trying to coax her back from being like frozen and it's just really kind to her. And then he's the one who figures out after they get married, okay, there's something in your subconscious that you don't know about. And so they go and they ask Mary what happened. And Mary's like, we didn't know these were still happening to you. Mm. And that's when there's this very sweet thing with Mary where she's like, when I got married, I asked you if it was okay, if I became your mom, Asked your dad. And then I went to your mother's gravestone and told her I was going to be the best mother I could be. And then I was was like, suck it. (laughs) 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 Um, and so that's why Mary, there's this whole thing with Mary where she's, she feels grief. And that's why I like that they have that scene with Mary in the show. So there's just like little things that are different, like not little things, but like backstory that they change. Also to give Edwina, I think more to do. Yeah. yeah. Um, and and to make the self-sacrificial nature of their personalities a little bit more apparent. Um, so, yeah.
1: One of, the, one of the things I loved... That they did for Edwina, like you're saying, she develops all along that you start to see this backbone and this, like, but I feel like her character isn't fully, truly established until the wedding episode. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, yeah, where uh, King George, of course, is con- confused, right? He's yeah. mentally unwell and he sees the fireworks that have gone off as a big anticlimax, <laughs> uh, and thinks that it's his wedding day, and Edwina. So, so gently, um, she does something called validation right with 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 people who are have memory issues or whatever where rather than contradicting them, you sort of acknowledge what they're saying and then kind of bring in like well, wouldn't it better if you went to you go to rest? you know and it's just an incredible moment for her. And it really puts you in her corner. Well, you're already in her corner. She's had this horrible thing happen where she's getting married and she- And everyone's uh, lied to her. Like, I totally like, understand her
0: anger at Kate. I felt like that Would that could yeah. also come off really dumb, like why they're sisters. But like, Kate does lie to her often
1: yeah. and, you're and so doesn't tell her who she is. Kate. I mean, I was so angry at Kate. I really was. And that they were all in a morass. This is what I loved plot-wise is like, you understand why Anthony proposes to Edwina. In fact, it goes back even further than this, where he invites Edwina, Kate, and, and Mary to write the to the, I forget the name of the house, but it's their like country seat. Oh, right?
0: yeah. What and is that
1: thing called? Everybody knows that he's going to propose to her from the start. So then when he when well, then when he doesn't, and it's the end, and I think that's the scene you're talking about, where Kate is sort of massaging her hair, rubbing her hair, and she's so devastated. You're like, Anthony, Has already got himself into deep. You know, he can't pull out now. He has to continue this ridiculous story to himself about how she's the diamond and he's the Vicant and they have to get married. Which doesn't even make any sense. It's an easy, I mean, what is this diamond thing? First of all, not historically, not that it's it not in season Second one. Do they eight, ever refer to Daphne, Daphne as that? No, yeah, I mean, they do. They refer to her as a diamond of the first quarter, okay. but that's just an Regency expression, you know? That, yeah. somebody who's designated as the diamond and as it was imbued, but that's, that's what causes the problem. Even, the, even Lady Whistledown says, Why do we do this? Why are yeah. we doing this? Why can't we? she, you know, she's spurred by Eloise to try to be a little bit more revolutionary, but like, why don't we just appreciate women for their qualities? And uh, can, can I talk, can I talk for a second before we get too far away about the Featheringtons sub? Can, yes. can,
0: I, can I ask a super quick question about yeah. the, the book still? Do all of the Bridgerton books follow the romance trope of like, get married and then fall in love? Is that like the theme? Because it sounds like one and two both have that
2: no no okay. no uh benedicts benedicts has its own host of problems <laughs> um benedicts is not like that penelope and colin obviously are not yeah. like like they're they're very different because they have this pre-existing right, yeah.
1: relationship, right?
2: eloise is weird like, i can't eloise- wait to
1: see what they do
0: with her i love her
2: They've set the seeds for something that I don't know if they're going to go through. Like, it'll be really interesting if they do what what the books do. Okay. I just had that because,
0: you know, like romance, there's very, there's like subgenres of romance. And I know they'll like get married and Um, then fall in love is a very classic. we
2: get Francesca, Francesca... It's also very different. Like, If Francesca
0: even bothers to show up for her season. They they recast
2: her. I know, I
0: know. But she's gone for almost all of season one, too. Yeah.
2: So it's funny. Okay, okay, so Kristen, I'm
0: sorry. I didn't mean to derail from you wanting to talk about the Featheringtons.
2: The
1: Featheringtons was a very interesting subplot that I was invested in. But I turned out to be like a lot more scheming than the writers in the writer's room because I thought all of this crap was going to go on behind the scenes and it's going to be this big reveal so i i got I, I outsmarted myself basically i was playing four-dimensional chess right so let me let me tell you some things about the featheringtons first of all off topic from that lady featherington right maneuvers polly uh, walker yes polly walker she maneuvers her older daughter oh what is her name philippa no the other one nope, not Penelope. prudence prudence, prudence prudence she maneuvers prudence into the orangery oh, party.
0: Oh, she, she
1: then arranges for him to be found there the lord feathering the new lord yeah. featherington that's his name it's his title right lord yes yes yeah. he's the new lord Feathering. yeah the new the new guy the tall drink of water right um and she based on that this, guy really she, no not at all <laughs> No, bless his heart. Like he's fine. He's a perfectly attractive guy, but not, I just, it's just coming up with something to describe him. He is tall. (laughs) Anyway, she's tall too. This entrapment, it didn't make any dang sense because they live together in the same dang house. And they are cousins. And they're never going to be alone together. And it was, yeah. And it was just so easy to explain away, but yet she brings this pressure to bear and somehow it sticks. Like somehow he feels he does have to get engaged to her. Okay, but he the best have- part is when he's like, I'm jokes on you, I'm poor as fuck. Like no, I don't have no, any no, money no. either. <laughs> no, 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 no. Okay. So let me tell you this whole thing. So I didn't believe it when he said oh. he was poor. So he gives this ruby necklace, right? First. Yeah, he gives his ruby necklace, and do you remember the jewelry guy? Yeah, who was looking at the ring? Then he, the then you think do you know? Do you remember who the jewelry guy is played by Kristen? Oh uh, no, and I, 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 I fact, I feel like I remember, I recognized him at the time. Is it I Mr. Remember. Hurst? Oh, is it Mr. Hurst? Is it Rupert Vansittart? Uh, I'm pretty sure I'll look okay. it up, but yeah, I was just like, because right. he's asking for the cake when they're you know, doing the ring, recognizing him, but I, I don't remember who it was. Yes, but that's an incredible, uh, Easter egg, but okay. So he's examining the Ruby necklace and Jack comes in and he's like, no, don't do that. But then he goes, ah, the stones are wonderful. Clarity. And you as the textual reader who believes Jack that he's poor thinks, oh, this jewelry guy is terrible at his job. But I was like, nay, this means that he has lied to Lady Featherington to try to find a way out of the engagement to prudence because he doesn't want to get married to her. And he's playing a long game, like a joke, like a like a a, Mm. he loves messing around with her, basically. So I thought the jeweler guy was real. The saying the rubies were real. And that was the secret that Jack did not want to come out because he was playing this four-dimensional chess. And I was so disappointed to be wrong. I can't even (laughs) tell you. And I I I just thought it was so unbelievable that
0: anyone would be so bad at their job. I wanted
1: Polly Walker (laughs) to be outmaneuvered by him pretending to be poor basically um it is rupert van's Van oh yeah. that's so great Ah, oh, mr hurst <laughs> and,
0: and because mary mary bennett is in it um wait no i'm sorry i'm thinking of gentleman jack she's in gentleman jack yes. kind of yeah sorry my bad that's it's okay. all blended yeah, you know together
2: another, oh my god i'm so embarrassed reading, <laughs> another reading for that scene is that he's a really good jeweler but he's like what if i can get money from this guy by saying it's real uh, it's just, I, uh, I guess but
0: then she was like if you're interested in buying any of the pieces and she's like oh yeah maybe." Oh. i
1: also thought that he might he was very almost sexual with her almost flirting with her and i also thought that maybe he was just really kind of drawn in by her wiles and like really liked that and like wanted to spar with her and i thought you mean the jeweler like, mr brooks no 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 Uh, oh no he was like at the end he was like let's run away together i mean he was definitely
0: into the older lady thing he was and i thought he was gonna
1: be like turn out to be like just kidding i'm rich let's get married and like for (laughs) them to have like a happy ending in a way
0: so i well i loved the how that resolved where he basically has to run and she is like what about my daughter?" and she's just like "Uh uh-uh these are my daughters i'm not leaving like you've really
1: underestimated who i am it was a wonderful moment where she like redeems herself as a mother after all her nonsense. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Well, I thought, so that's also another like interesting change because the Featheringtons, maybe you remember this better, Kristen, than I do is I feel like they struggle with money for a while because the Lord Featherington is already dead. Yeah. Yeah. And before the books even start and and that Penelope somehow managed to save the household with her money as Lady Whistledown. Oh, yeah, did she, she? I was she,
1: wondering about that. Like, Penelope, come on, girl. She pretends to get an inheritance from, an like, a relative. Uh, yeah, maybe I'm they're so saving maybe
2: that for season they, three. Maybe. Maybe they'll bring that in. Or they'll just be like, this is how they have money again is because they actually stole from other people. <laughs>
0: <laughs> because she, I mean, because Lady Featherington is like, we're keeping some of it. Give everything else back and leave.
2: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, do you think they're going to do a time jump? Oh, I don't know. Because in the books, there's they a time do. jump. In the books, oh, they do. interesting. Because they're like in their 20s and spinsters, and spin quote unquote.
1: Well, and here's the worst part about it, too. If you do go back and you do read the books, part of the reason they do the time jump is because Penelope has lost all this weight and you're like, gosh and uh, i'm they uh, they won't do that i'm sure they i know won't of do course that. they won't yeah. do it on this show but like like it's such a cop out in the books you're like come on come on come on this is like
0: in sweet valley <laughs> high when robin lost all that weight and i was so mad because i loved they had a fat character and then they just like made her be thin and on the diving team or some bullshit
2: yeah. I mean, Sorry. what is it? Knuckle Coughlin is just gorgeous. Oh, so- she's beautiful. Oh, my God. I love her
0: so much. I get ads for her, like doing makeup ads and everything. And
1: I'm like, yes, get that money. Get those endorsements. You go, girl. There's a scene early in the show where she's in mourning and she gets to wear uh, sort of a Gloria Brown colored dress. And she looks incredible. And then you have to go back to the bright yellows, and you're just like, I can't wait until they let her dress herself and she's just gonna be a beautiful butterfly because the bag is much
2: better should in we, season two, we also. Talk about, like the call the Penelope Eloise sort of storyline. Yes,
0: because I'm so invested in Penelope and Colin, even though I'm not sure he quite deserves her yet. I'm like really invested.
2: Yeah, it's just really because like she's still like I don't know. Uh, the Penelope Lady Whistledown in, in the show, sorry, the show Lady Whistledown is a little bit meaner, I feel like, than mm. she is in the book. <laughs> and so I don't blame Eloise for her reaction because of what she had to do. But I also thought, like, the the ways in which Penelope had to hide who she was from Eloise, who's like, the letters, the letters in this dog pamphlet, they match. And um, she's so like... <laughs> It's like, oh my god, why are you making my life so much harder? Um was really I loved her hooking up
0: with the um the modiste lady.
2: Yeah.
0: Who there's a lot of interesting stuff that they've hinted with her, how she's like not really French and she's basically just trying to make her own way. I hope that we get more info about her. I really enjoy her. I
2: hope. Kind of hope that she that she's the Benedict love interest that they figure out a way for. But that she's
0: they've already like been together, right? He basically dumps her in the first episode of the season. No, she. Dumps oh, in. I don't think
2: he doesn't. she dumps in. Like,
0: oh, right. He's yeah, like, hey, like, he you he ready, ready to hang out? And she's, she's like, like, I'm busy. I have I have far too much work to do. <laughs>
2: <Yeah>. <laughs> but I don't think they can do his story the way it's in the book. Well, there's his a lot of consent theory. issues with
1: his story, is my understanding. Absolutely pile of crap it is a <laughs> book that you will want to throw across the room it is a book that is there is no excuse for it i don't care what year it was written in he's a monster and it's an he's awful just awful so story
2: awful yeah i was just rereading it and i was like oh my god like this is not yeah so i think that's also probably why they're skipping it and they no, might come back it. to it as they want to give him more time to rehabilitate they want to do more stuff with him to get him to a place where, like, but nobody cares,
0: <laughs> they'll just give him. They'll just continue giving him subplots. He'll meet someone and have his relationship in a subplot. I really think that. I, I do not I, think I, they're gonna hang hang a whole season on Benedict. I really don't think they do. I do hope they have a time jump, though, eventually, because I think Gregory is a little cutie patootie, <laughs> and I can't wait for him to be, like, an adult and have his own plots, because that yeah. kid is a star. That kid's so going to be a star.
2: A lot of really nice family moments in here, and then maybe we'll go back to Penelope and Eloise in a second, but, like, Ruth Gemmel, who is Mrs. Bridgerton, Lady Bridgerton, the mom, um, her talking to Anthony and then her listening to Anthony talk to Gregory. Oh! Really great. Where he's uh, like, "Guess I haven't really let us talk about dad that much." So right in, to to yeah, right in the fields, right in the fields. And then as awful as Benedict is, the conversation where Benedict is talking to him about poetry before that uh, hilarious. yeah. Thing, I love that was really nice. As always, Eloise and Benedict conversations on the swings. I really love. Um, I think I think they do that really well, like the family conversation yeah. connection stuff. Yeah. Is the Eloise
0: Theo thing in the books? No. Or is that completely made up? Okay. That's completely different.
1: He was a cutie too. That, he was cute too. That's what I was going to say. That was an interesting element of Eloise's storyline. I have to say the prolonged and continued who is Lady Whistledown, I'm trying to find Lady Whistledown thing got on my nerves. I was mm. just like, I can't believe we're doing this again. I can't believe we're caught in this loop again. But it, you know, it was cat and mouse at that point with Penelope. Exactly. Like I found saying. it much more interesting because we know. Oh, okay, yeah. Who it is? I, I could see pe- other people being interested in it. I, I just for whatever reason, I was. I could see other people with bad taste thinking yeah, exactly. that was entertaining. <laughs> <laughs> well, I now, I, I just, I don't know. I, 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 I don't know. I don't know what's wrong with me. I don't know what's wrong with me. I, sometimes I just refuse to be entertained. You know, you That's know, that feeling where you sit down and you're just like, nothing, you can't find anything you want to watch and you just like refuse to be entertained. I don't know. Yeah, And you just like, keep, you keep scrolling through Netflix, looking
0: for something that you want to watch and you just can't find. And you're like, God, there's nothing on. And it's like, yeah. there's literally thousands of shows now. There's not just four channels anymore.
2: <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I think they tried to do those. I think this is you talking about like multiple plots at the end where there's like a lot of this mystery stuff that happens in the last like four episodes. It's so this cat and mouse with Penelope and Eloise, but then also the um, the Featheringtons and Colin pretending to invest. Oh, like, oh, I was so, yeah.
0: I love that. Oh, um, everything with Will, the, oh, yeah. um, the boxer guy, loved yeah. it. I actually liked Lord Featherington kind of linking up with his plot with the Gentleman's Club he was opening and how he like knew he was sketched. The Colin investing red herring, I totally fell for. I really underestimated Colin with that. And I was like, oh God, please don't let him be dumb and do this (laughs) and get fleeced. And then they turned it around in the last episode and I was so happy.
2: Yeah, yeah. And then um, that conversation, speaking of like Colin being confusing, is that conversation he had with his friends with a statue is very reminiscent to a scene in, Benedict's book okay now he, remind me the
0: statue
2: it's after the wedding when they're all out and um, Penelope is just sort of like wandering around and she overhears Colin say I wasn't oh like I'll never court
0: never court her oh it broke my heart
2: yeah so in the in the books he's just come back from his tour and he's with Benedict and he's standing outside with his brothers and he's like I will never marry Penelope Featherington and Penn walks out of their house as he says that and she's like, "I never said you were gonna marry me. Who, yeah, I never asked you. you. I yeah. never asked me for that." And she's like, "I'm walking the four doors down in my house. Go away." Yeah, and yeah. Was, <laughs> so I didn't. I kind of wish that she had had that moment to walk up to him and be like, "Hey," but she was kind of on a mission of trying to figure out where Eloise went off to at that yeah. point.
0: Well, um, that's very like she's not handsome enough to tempt me, kind of thing, yeah. right? Where it's just like, oh, you hear someone What did you awful think him.
1: of of him going to see Marina and like Sir Philip being a nerd? Them nerding so out. I, I
0: rolled were- my eyes because I actually hated the Marina subplot. When I did my rewatch, I pre- I will not lie, I fast forwarded through a lot of that because I didn't feel the need to relive it. it. Me out. Yeah, um, but I thought it was great. She's like, she's she's kind of a bitch, but he needed <laughs> to hear it, right? Yeah. She's like, look around. I have two kids. I'm the head of this house. Like, I don't, you're not going to find anything here. I don't have anything to give you. But she was kind of mean.
1: But the guy she married seemed nice, right? Priya, is that the Sir Philip? Are you allowed yeah, to tell Yeah, me? so this
2: is a, this is a Eloise, this is a spoiler, but like. They're playing the long game, I think, with okay. Philip and well, yeah. The the name of
1: her book is To Sir Philip With Love. And that's Love. all I know about it because I have never read it. But oh, I did ping I, on the fact that his name was Philip and he's yeah, a smarty so, pants like her.
2: Yeah. And and the thing is, is that Marina, we've talked about this last time, is Marina exists in this world in the books. We just never meet her the way we have. And I'm I'm glad that we got to see her again because I think it'll provide the breadcrumbs for what, if they do it the same way, for what happens to her, to to make feel real and to feel honest and like not let's just move this woman out of the way for something else. And I don't want to like spoil for people who are listening to this and like, want to know what happens. Like,
0: I mean, I just ripped my headphones off because you said it was going to be a spoiler for <laughs> Eloise.
2: Oh, I don't okay. know if you guys saw,
0: I'm very backlit because of the light in my office, yeah, no, but you said it. this is a spoiler with Eloise. and I went oh, and I
2: ripped my headphones off. So I <laughs> yeah. didn't hear anything. You no, just I'm said. being very, very careful. Okay, good. Very, very careful what I say, because it's, it, I am just interested to see if we get to Eloise how they do it. Because again, we only have, I feel like they renewed through season four. And so I I was going to ask you guys. um, So Netflix,
0: of course, famous for just like canceling shows. And if it doesn't read, I mean, Bridgerton, hugely popular, right? However, Bridgerton also probably hugely expensive. This cast keeps getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And at some point, It's going to be so many people that I don't it's going to it's just going to cost buckets of money. So how many seasons do you guys think we'll get? I assume there's like a five year plan, but they're renewed through four.
2: Yeah, I would assume that they want to get through. Like, I mean, that's the thing with skipping Benedict. Like, I don't know how they're going to do it, because like if they skip Benedict, they're not skipping him. He'll have his he'll have his little love subplot. I don't like what else are they going to
0: do with him? Yeah. He doesn't have the decency to be gay. Like <laughs> what other possible interesting thing could Benedict do? <laughs>
1: yeah. So, so I mean, I think the thing he's is so, like, boring. so boring. He could be bi.
0: I, he had plenty of opportunity. <laughs> he went to a he went to parties where people were literally hooking up, dudes were hooking up with dudes. And I was like, now we're getting some I just rubbed my hands together. Now we're getting someplace. Benedict is going to become interesting. And he has a threesome with two girls. How heteronormative. Yeah. I was really disappointed. Yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah. I just don't, I like once, I just don't know what they're going to do with season four. Like, again, well, we don't like, know what's going to happen
0: with season three. All we know is Colin and Penn is a focus, but like, we have yeah. no idea what anyone else is going to be doing.
2: Yeah. Like, I'm just wondering if they'll build in like a Benedict subplot To get him done and then do Eloise. Because Eloise and Colin and Penn, there's, like, a point where some of the stuff with Eloise overlaps with the Mm -hmm. end of Colin and Penn. Because her whole shift happens, like, at the end of Colin and Penn's book. Because If I had
0: to guess, I would say season four will be Eloise.
2: yeah. Yeah.
1: So, Priya, like... Is there anything that's that's been on your mind that you you also really want to get off your chest before? Because I'm keeping an eye on time and I don't want to, like, cut you off if there are other things.
2: I mean, your chance. You know, I, think, I think we covered most of it. I just um I have this conversation with another friend where we were saying that Bridgerton as a phenomenon has really sort of exploded. Right. Like they're now doing these like experiences in cities where people can go and dress up. And oh, go yeah, I knew someone. This, I, I have a friend go. who went to the, like, Queens Ball or whatever. Yeah, in DC. yeah, and I've heard different opinions. People who are like, it was a money grab. Other people are like, it was delightful. And, you know, they're not doing all the stuff. And my friend and I were having a conversation about Bridgerton as romance and as romance becoming mainstream. And the way that science fiction and fantasy really became mainstream and okay to be a part of after Game of Thrones. And how those of us who sort of started out when it was like, a hidden interest, right? Like yeah. you talk about it. Like if you talked about it, people judged you. And so you sort of like kept it close to your vest about how all of a sudden it's super popular and you feel like something you were bullied about for ages when you were younger, all of a sudden it's okay. And you feel like, why did I go through all that stuff when I was younger? And so there's an element of like, we were having a discussion about how that felt and, and how like, we are really excited that the stuff is happening, that we're getting things like Sweet Magnolias and Virgin River, which are really candy and they're really a confection, right? And in a way that like we never thought we ever could, because rom-coms were basically rom-coms. These are just a slightly different from rom-coms. They're just set up differently. And so um I thought that was just like an interesting sort of using the word discourse right now seems really pretentious. But that is really that is a very
0: interesting point. And you know, as someone who is also a big nerd, but I never really was like, I was reading, I would read Dragon Riders of Burn and like do book reports oh, on it. Appreciate. I did a book report. I'm like, I did a book report on Star Trek novels, <laughs> Star Trek novelizations <laughs> in elementary school and like D and D becoming so popular with stranger things. Like I've been playing that since I was a kid. So for me, I'm just like kind of delighted. I didn't, it's interesting for me to hear that viewpoint, which is not something it's, I'd thought about.
2: Being delighted, but also slightly mad and wary about it like now this you know is how hipsters, ar- hipsters
0: feel I liked it before it was cool
2: and propri- proprietary and and I'll say this is a huge Star Wars fan I put myself in a lot of situations in high school where I had countdowns I had decorations on my lockers was oh my pretty-
0: god you're so cute I love you I was you. a
2: broadcasting nerd about the Phantom Menace um and you know I took the teasing in good cheer. I never felt bullied, but it also just also always felt like you knew that you were doing something that other people weren't vocal about. Yeah, Even though lots of people really love star Wars, you know, Yeah, but um, it was just like, so I, we had a little commiseration thing on there. And then the other piece we didn't talk about was the colonialism aspect mm. of this,
1: mm-hmm.
2: um, which they didn't really touch on. Like, I think in season one, they talked a little bit about, being black in britain and how having a duke that was black was sort of like a big deal like um lady danbury has that conversation like they have that conversation about your role and who you are but we didn't really touch on colonialism in this at all it just sort of was like oh yeah india exists and i mean i think there is that layered like a layered conversation here right because i appreciate that they were allowed to just come in and be characters on the show exactly yeah but at the same time, that backstory is very real. That stuff right. that was happening and that like their relationship with England is is going to be naturally different. And you get a little bit of that with Kate being like, I don't feel like I belong here. I want to go back right. to India and be a governess. But they don't really actually touch on that very much. And mm-hmm. especially when they have discussions about tea, because tea and the East India Tea, East India tea Company, uh, like, they're, like they're all, um, that's all sort of part of it, right? And right. so- and I will say my Indian history is also like very like it could be deeper than it is. <laughs> um, which is why I just second guessed saying the company's name. But um it's it's I think it would have been nice to have a little bit more, but I also recognize it in ape episodes where you have very a certain amount of thing to do, but there isn't the space for that conversation. But what I'm hoping is like how season one convinced people to talk, think more about the queen. And who she Mm -hmm. was as maybe being someone with with African heritage, who also was part of this big royal family that enslaved people, even though other groups hold her up as like the first black queen of England, like, you know, stuff like that. that This will lead people to dig a little bit more deeper into like, okay, what was India's relationship with Britain in this period? And where are the historical connections? And I'm sure somebody has written something out there that is far more intelligent than what I just said. But um, that's sort of how I see things like this is that they are confections. They are what they are, but I hope they serve as jumping off points to having bigger conversations that are necessary to have. Yeah. And kind of
0: just really quickly what you were saying about how like these things that we enjoyed kind of in secret now being popular with romance. And Kristen and I have talked about this before. I think when we had our uh, maybe Northanger Abbey discussion years ago, um, the derision of romance as a genre is very much rooted in misogyny and like, it's a thing only women enjoy. And therefore it is not capable of big themes and making good points and talking about like how people relate to each other. It is disposable chick right? People being embarrassed to read romance novels and things like that. And I think Bridgerton being so mainstream is really helpful for that kind of thing.
2: Yeah, and also it came at a time when we really needed it. Yeah, I mean, we needed it in
0: 2020.
2: It's, <laughs> it's it, it day just 2020. <laughs> yeah, it just delighted. It's just, it just delights me. And I'm really glad it exists on the screen. I'm really glad they're taking the liberties they can to change things from the source material. And I'm looking forward to seeing what happens next.
1: I would love to add a quick coda about the show. And just like one other detail to, that I want to talk about is... Something that's in the book and is a touchstone in the book is uh, the family playing Paul Mall. Oh my gosh! why did we not talk about that? Yeah, so like croquet, what is up with Paul Mall? Someone explain to me. I I think it's it's, it's slightly different rules or two different names for the same thing. But the, the, the heart of Bridgerton, like what Bridgerton does best is always illustrate these family relationships in a really real way. And the fact that they all get together and they're competitive about Paul Mall. And Edwina... And I so related to this so hard. <laughs> yeah, I was like, what? I don't care about this. This is a stupid game. So actually, I don't well, want to play. Oh, we'll anymore. all have, we'll all have fun. We'll and all I'm have a lovely really time. Consistent. And Daphne's like, oh girl. <laughs> and it just shows you how Kate slots into that family, and that she was a hundred percent competitive, all in. I loved it. It was so clever, and it's um, it's also a part of the book that I think worked really well to to thread it through. To add on to what Priya said in that these worlds, we almost want them to be these confections, right? These fantasy worlds that we can step into. But I think the Austin community has done really well in in recent years in in bringing in these other issues that are worth considering when you read the fun uh, confection and, oh, we're leaving our visiting cards and, oh, it matters who I saw in the park the other day um, that all of this other stuff in this historical context was happening so i don't know it's not easy but i i know i use this kind of thing as escapism and Mm -hmm. i don't want to completely let myself off the off the hook or think about how these things are affecting readers of color people who are historically disadvantaged uh etc so yeah
2: yeah and i mean i think I think the nice thing is if you want to choose it as escapism, you can choose to do it as escapism. You can also look at it in the political context where they're trying to change the game in Hollywood and how people see themselves on screen and what stories they see each other in that are traditionally not stories where they're allowed to be leads in and things like that. But then as you said, and as we talked about, there's also the broader historical context that you lose sometimes when you choose to tell a story in this way. And Yeah. And I, that's why I think that like, you're never going to get a perfect piece of media because you cannot take these shows in isolation. Like you just cannot take anything in isolation because it's all part of a broader cultural conversation. Everyone's that's like, that's just entertainment. And I'm like, no, I think most entertainment says something about the world in which we live in. And, and, This is a very side tangent, but like as a historian, I really think entertainment feeds into, like you think about novels of a time period and what does it tell you about a particular time period in which it was written and that that particular author's perception of what was going on around them to write that story. And I think this is what you're saying about Jane Austen is there's all this other stuff happening that you don't see in the novel, but it still adds another layer to primary source documentation that might be the only way someone gets that history. Mm -hmm. It's through a novel. So anyway, I don't really know where I was going with that. But no, I I I I thought that that was very insightful. I think that
1: was very like you tied it all up (laughs) in a beautiful way. And that's why it means something to have a podcast where we can talk about the fun and also talk about the context and fuse it into our broader understanding of this piece of media. But I love your point about there is no perfect piece of media. So let's take a second to think about it. And it's incumbent upon us to do that. So there definitely is no perfect piece of media because if you had a perfect piece of media, there wouldn't be anything to
0: critique and talk about and pull apart and examine. And then it would be really boring. And so therefore, it couldn't be perfect.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And the key is to take it with an attitude of if you love it just the way it is, that's totally fine. And I think this is sort of the problem sometimes we have with like social media and you see it particularly with Star Wars and like other things where people jump on each other when someone expresses displeasure with something. But I think sometimes displeasure also shows a need for connection Mm -hmm. and a need to feel the emotions that the storytelling is supposed to give you. And if you're not getting that, there's clearly something missing. And also not all media is for all people. Exactly, yes, exactly. But we just want more media that is made where we can see ourselves in it, because so often it's not made where you are seen. And so that's again, like a roundabout way of saying that representation matters. And that um, I'm really glad I get to talk about with you guys.
0: Yeah. And Bridgerton. it comes back to one of our other major themes on this podcast, which is don't shit on other people's fandoms because just because something isn't for you doesn't mean it's not for someone else. Exactly. Um, so we try to be respectful of that. And I don't, okay. So I think we're, we've like wrapped up our Bridgerton. So just in terms of keeping this podcast timely um, in terms of when it airs, we have to, I think very talk very briefly about the new persuasion trailer that dropped because I finally joined Twitter and oh my God, people are losing their minds. Some people love it. Some people hate it. Everyone's fighting about it. And it's like, it's a trailer. If you like it, great. If it doesn't look like something you'll enjoy, sorry, you have other adaptations that you love.
2: I will tell you in preparation for this, I've been trying to figure out how to watch the older two versions. And while you can buy the um, Sirian Hines version, um, on Amazon, the other one, I don't really, like, there's no, it's on there and they say you can pay to watch it, but I can't figure out. This it. is the
0: one that we watched, right, Kristen, in your house, your townhouse that uh, we were like, what is happening with the super modern shaky cam? Yeah. And she runs it, around
1: Bath and Yeah. That was
0: ridiculous.
1: You're not missing much. We did watch it again, though. We Kristen and I did find. I don't remember where we found it. it. We did Persuasions adaptations cage match podcast on it.
0: (laughs) I'm someone was people. Someone on Twitter was like, "All of you, all losing your minds about the new Persuasion. Do you not remember the scene at the end where they like make out in the middle of circus? (laughs) Like that? Those ones are have weird stuff too going on.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think. If you don't mind me just jumping in, I I, I know we have like Twitter conversations, but I think Kristen and I had Twitter conversations back and forth where I forgot my adaptations. But I'm kind of hoping that the trailer is a little bit misleading because there I'm is sure that loaded. never trust
0: a trailer. Never. Trusted, and I need to reread trailer.
2: the book to check tone because it's been so long since I've read the book that I was like, this feels weirdly goofy. Then I remember the book being, and then I was like, am I just remembering the other movies and I was just very confused and so um I mean it still looks like it's gonna be fun (laughs) only because Henry Golding is hot and um and I think generally it I think it'll be fun I don't know if it'll be persuasion but it'll be fun and for me my opinion is like again adaptations are adaptations yeah I
0: mean, who would have thought that one of the best Pride and Prejudice adaptations would be Fire Island, right? But I thought that was fantastic. But a lot of people are not going to respond to that. But Kristen, I thought you were very eloquent on Twitter when you were talking about um, the trailer. And it's kind of broader... Place.
1: I I feel like I can say this from a place of persuasion is not where my heart is, which you know. So I am not having a reaction, an emotional reaction to the trailer. I feel the same way. I'm intrigued. Um, I I will say, as a side tangent, I think it looks just like Bridgerton and sounds just like Bridgerton, and I think they're trying to capitalize off of Bridgerton, Mm -hmm. the bright colors, the modern language. The fact that it was a first-person narrative in the trailer. And I want to make mm-hmm. it sound like Lady was still down almost. Oh, she's saying funny things about people she knows. And, you know, there there is, I'm not sure if it's supposed to be colorblind casting. Um, I think that's the proper term where you just cast people regardless of their race into a period piece. But both of the leads are white, which I thought was a weird call yeah, if I- you're gonna do that.
0: I'm sure that the Henry Golding is great in his like kind of more comedic supporting role, but I was really shocked. He wasn't.
1: Wentworth. Yeah. Wentworth. I mean, he's a, he's he a movie to, star. Yeah. Maybe he didn't want to do it. Someone's saying he wants to take like different roles and not be the handsome lead, but why would your face looks like that?
2: And I think I went into this thinking he was Wentworth. And then when the trailer kept moving you're on, you're like, who's that? Uh-huh.
1: <laughs> yeah. Um,
0: Well that's still that is still unfortunately a big problem, Kristen, where we will like have diversity, but like you still have to have a white central character. And so that's one of the reasons why I did love Kate as our main character, right?
1: For sure. They've done that both 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 seasons, right? Mm -hmm. But this is what I this is what I think, and I'm I'm coming from this from a non-emotional angle. I think everybody is right when they say. We have to have new adaptations. We have to let people do cool things. It's going to be fun. Let's check it out. But I I think that there's been a backlash to the backlash Mm -hmm. and has also been kind of mean. Like people are being mean about the new Bridgerton or the new um, persuasion adaptation because it's not it doesn't fit their idea of the tone of persuasion, what persuasion is about. People are also being mean to those people by saying because of you we're not going to get more Austin adaptations. Unless you support this and stop bitching, we're not going to get more Austin adaptations. And I, I think both people are, both sides of this camp are, are a little off the mark in that they're, su- they're they're suppressing people who just want to say what they actually think on their personal Twitter account about, I couldn't connect. That's exactly what you're saying, Priya. I wanted to connect. I was so excited for this adaptation of my favorite favorite story ever. I, I'm speaking now in the guise of a persuasion fan. I just wanted to relive the story. I wanted to have that intense intense emotional connection. It's it's a story about Anne Elliot. I love Anne Elliot. And then if you don't see that, you will feel disappointment, and that's yeah. okay. But it's and that's how valid. we process yeah. it, it's how we think about it. But don't feel like you're 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 betraying the fandom yeah. if you say anything negative. Just you know, just give it a shot. Just say it's cool. People liked it, but here's, here's what I think about it. You're, you're, you're allowed to say that. Right. That's exactly
0: how I felt about, um, Dr. Strange in the multiverse of madness. I'm a huge MCU fan. Um, this was probably my least favorite of all the movies, but like, I think it's great. A lot of people loved it. I just didn't respond. It just wasn't. And I like Sam Raimi too, but it just wasn't, I didn't respond to it it just wasn't for me, but like, I think, I think think it's awesome that a lot of people love it and had a great time. I wouldn't begrudge anyone that, but I mean, listen, the Austin fandom, every, every fandom struggles with gatekeeping and like kind of the circular firing squad. Right. And certainly the Austin fandom is no different in that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I don't know. It's all big to do about nothing to occupy our hours and Feel mad about something. Well, what else do we have to talk about? about. Well, exactly. That's the world's that's on exactly fire, but I nobody say. wants to deal with that. No
0: one wants. Um, should to we do that. a mini episode at some point about Fire Island, though, Kristen? Because I really let's do a
1: whole episode about it. it. Okay,
0: great. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, Priya, you're not invited.
1: No, you oh. want to talk? It's <laughs> like when I you do. talk
0: about a party you're going to have in front of people
1: who aren't invited. It's no, like super I was going to invite Priya. That's the next thing that was going to come. Okay, out. yeah, totally Priya. Priya. And um, I, I I mean, if you're interested, you've seen it, right?
2: No, I haven't seen oh, it. Oh, you'll yet. love it. You'll oh, well, then you it. definitely can't you'll come. Absolutely <laughs> love it.
1: But, um, you know, do we have friends from the LGBTQ community who'd also like to come on the podcast? As you and I have a lot of friends that, not necessarily people who want to come on a Jane Austen podcast, but. Um, you know, I think, uh, I think it will be great. I think, um, we can definitely hook up with people and have a fantastic conversation about it and just talk about how much we loved it. Cause pretty yeah, much absolutely. Do. And I didn't think I would like it to that extent. Like I didn't think I would connect with it to that extent because it's about a, a culture that I am not that familiar with. And it was not a barrier at all. I understood exactly what was going on. And, um, you know, it was fun. It was really fun, but it was also very Austin-esque. It was a, a great adaptation. It was a great about. adaptation.
2: There are be- beautiful Austen awesome moments in there. I'm looking forward to it because I think um, was it Alison Bechtel who did the Bechtel test? Yeah, she sent out a tweet that said something like, "I'm changing the tests. Yeah, <laughs> <Like if laughs> you, have, <laughs> you have two guys talking about what well, I can't remember what Alison Bechtel said, but like. I just thought that was really funny. There yeah, was a like, lot of okay. nonsense
1: about it, about the Bechdel test. And it's like, yeah. that's not really what it was for. Yeah.
0: <laughs> you know? yeah. There was again, the best and worst of Twitter. Like people yeah. were complaining that there weren't any like white women <laughs> and It's like, not everything is about you. Or like there wasn't enough lesbian presence. And it's yeah. like, that's, that's Bechdel. not the story that we're telling here. Um, yeah.
2: Speaking of, uh, other things people should watch, um, Emma, not Emma, <laughs> Emma Thompson, our uh, our Sense and Sensibility star, uh, is in a new movie where apparently she's nude. And it's about her hiring, I think, a young man to sort of sleep with her because she's older and she hasn't experienced stuff. And that just dropped on Hulu on Friday. And the trailers look delightful. And I've read a lot of uh, a few articles from Emma Thompson talking about like how at her age, conversation about body consciousness and stuff like that. And it was just, it sounds really fascinating. And I feel like that might be a little bit. I heard
0: about this. It's supposed to be, um, it's supposed to be really good. And it's just kind of like, do we expect women to just kind of like dry up and not be interested in sex anymore after a certain age and kind of looking at the ages that we do, we have, with these kinds of issues i'm trying to look up the name of it it's called good luck to you leo grand
2: yeah that's what it is and it's on hulu and i just basically i thought of it because i went on because i couldn't get persuasion i ended up watching emma thompson's sense and sensibility and then the one with dan stevens uh. and Charlie wakefield and um i can't remember the lead woman's name um then i watched the other miniseries and I was like, I pulled out my book and I was like, maybe I'll just reread sense of sensibility right yeah. <laughs> now. And then that, that movie popped up and I was like, oh, I wanted to see this. Um and Emma Thompson is generally a goddess. And so Yeah. 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 I ha- I have a wreck
1: um as well. I was a huge fan and and don't necessarily read them, but I'll, I'll provide the caveat of the Tony Hillerman novels, which he, if you did Oh, I know what you're gonna say. Yeah. Yeah, so he he wrote mysteries and their set their main characters are Navajo tribal policemen. And the the accusation of cultural appropriation is 100% correct. I mean, he started writing these books in the books in the 80s, I think the 70s and 80s. Um and, you know, makes some mistakes honestly that he corrects in later books. Like I think he was trying to do a good job, but he absolutely was profiting off of Navajo culture, and he was a white man. But I did read the books, and I was obsessed with them in the day. And now there is a show coming out. It's just called Dark Winds. It has a lot of the same plots as Hillerman, but it has an all-Native writer's room, and it has a mostly Native uh, cast. It
0: stars... Sorry to interrupt, Kristen. It stars... I even looked up his name. Zon McLaren, who is an amazing um indigenous actor if native american actor if you look at him you'll be like it's that guy cuz he's been in <laughs> yeah. a million things and he's finally in a lead role and I'm so excited to see this show because I love him and he's wonderful. And I feel like this kind of show is a long time coming. And what a great way to take something that was like you were saying, kind of like ugh, cringy and appropriative, but then put it with like people who will tell the stories well and like hand it to them.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Um, weirdly, anyway. weirdly fun fact: there's a new biography out about Tony Hillerman. That is written by my AP government teacher. Oh, that's interesting. Um, The author's name is James McGrath Morris, and um, he's written a bunch of biographies, and it's called Tony Hillerman, A Life. And so if you like Tony Hillerman, you might like this
0: book. Kristen, (laughs) I'm so sorry. I didn't mean to like derail you. You were still going to talk some more about the show.
1: No, no no i mean i mean that's okay i've watched the first two episodes you, you have to get them on amazon prime and you subscribe to amc plus and it's a whole thing and mm-hmm. you know i don't know it's obnoxious that you have to subscribe to another streaming service but it's well totally i mean the working. show is on and amc like, like if you have regular cable like i still do you can just watch
0: has it on regular ca- well like, i'm <laughs> sorry Kristen, but i
1: have to have regular cable okay <laughs> no you're no some people still have regular cable if You got amc you can watch it He is laughing from
0: the other room because he can hear.
1: (laughs) (laughs) But but I will say, Tony Hillerman, you know, he was a fantastic writer. And I did, after finishing all of his books, go into like a super deep research hole about the Navajo Nation and and learned a lot about it and know about a lot of the places. So it's exciting for, for me. I never lived in New Mexico. I've never, you know, I have lived in Arizona, but not near Flagstaff. So it's like, Oh my God, I know all these places. And and once you get into it, you get a real sense of place. And if the southwest of the US is never some place that you've lived, even just checking it out for that reason, getting a feel for that part of the country is
2: is totally worth it. So. It's called Dark Winds.
0: Yes. It is okay. airing on AMC on Sunday nights at nine PM. If you don't want to subscribe to AMC plus through Amazon prime, like a normal person. <laughs> no, uh, like a fucking millennial. <laughs> 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 can I make, can I make a recommendation? Yes. Yeah. Okay, so the latest thing I'm obsessed with is, of course, Stranger Things, chapter four or whatever, season four, because I am obviously a big nerd. I loved the other seasons. I love Found Families. I love 80s horror. Mm -hmm. And this season is very much like 80s horror movie inspired. It's fantastic. And then the other thing kind of to piggyback on Kristen I highly recommend the series Reservation Dogs. Oh yeah, which is a series that Taika Waititi is the um, executive producer of about some teenagers growing up on a Native reservation, and it is everything Taika Waititi usually is. It's funny. It's heart wrenching. It's beautiful. It's real. Again, uh, the same actor um, Zon McLaren is in it, although he's not the main character. Um, but if you're interested in those type of stories, highly recommend. Uh, Reservation Dogs, which I think was on FX. I think that's where we saw it, which means it's, is FX still on Hulu? I think so. Yeah. Yeah. So then it'll also be streaming on Hulu if you're a fucking millennial like Kristen.
2: (laughs) Well, I will say that I have AMC plus because a friend had AMC plus and she. Yes, girl. That's why I have Hulu. (laughs) Because we were watching Discovery of Witches together. Oh, you're adorable. So I did not like uh,
0: that book. Speaking of things that aren't for you, like a lot of people love those books. <laughs> I just, it was not I,
2: I enjoy that it's a historian who wrote it and I really liked her MO where she was like, if I know a thing through scholarship, I didn't change it. But then if I could change, if we didn't know a thing, I just pop my characters into those yeah. roles. I'm pretty sure them.
0: vampires aren't real so she can do whatever she wants. Yeah. <laughs> With that.
2: Yeah. But there's uh, There's like, for historian nerds of that era, it's really fun because I would be on a chat with a bunch of friends who, one of whom is like an art historian and we would get facts all the way through the show. We, <laughs> Kristen, we need to get in Priya's like text chain. I was chains. just going to
1: say, I want to be in all your chats. They sound <laughs> yeah, so lit. Yeah, these are great <laughs>
0: chats. All
1: my chats are just like <laughs> bitching about our kids and
0: like talking to my family. It's like boring. <laughs> Priya's with like the really interesting stuff.
2: I just I just watch a lot of TV. Um, I will say my cousins. Uh, we basically had to take the Bridgerton conversation off the main cut, the main one with our guy cousins. <laughs> they, were they were like, like can, "Can
0: you, you please not go take? Go. Can you please take us off this?" Yeah, so Having said that, movie. I know a lot of men who love. Brit, Bay loves watching Bridgerton. Like I was not allowed to watch it without him because he enjoyed it so much. He also really enjoyed Fire Island. By the way, he wandered into the room when I was watching it and was like instantly. Hooked into it, mm-hmm. and I don't know if every straight man would necessarily.
2: I'm sure some of my guy cousins watch it, but because we're from like Singapore to the like the West Coast of the United States, I think sometimes they don't turn off their notifications. Oh my god! It's like it's two AM, and guys. So we, were like, <laughs> we were talking about it like pretty much twenty four hours a day between Singapore to the West Coast of the United States, and we were like, okay, maybe we should take it.
0: No, that's their fault. Do not disturb exists. <laughs> even I figured out, do not disturb. Like, come on, just turn your phone off. That's on them.
2: Um, our photo, and no one can see this is, is that's our photo. Oh, hello. <laughs> photo <laughs> is uh, is jean Ray Page. Kristen, <laughs>
0: or- do we have Ray-Page. any, um, do we have any like mail or anything we need to talk about? Uh, no,
1: we are all good. We can, we can say goodbye.
0: Um, are we going to delay our Austin camp discussion in favor of Fire Island, or do you still want to plan on that for next?
1: Oh, to, to do Camp Austin? Yeah, sorry, uh, Camp Austin. Um, I think Fire Island is probably more topical for people oh. if we want to skip to that. That's sure. fine with me. Cool. We'll keep you posted, Priya. Thank you both for doing this. This is the hardest thing ever to schedule. My schedule was awful, and I had to keep canceling. And so I, I think, really I mean, we're all. Priya is notoriously difficult to schedule because she's just very she's popular. She's so cool. And she has so many. Friends. It's true. I used
0: to be cool. I used to be cool and I am no longer cool, but like I associate with cool people and so it's always no problem. It's always I'm no
2: problem, Chris. In a post pre pandemic, Priya schedule. Like, I just can't live that way anymore. <laughs> I feel like I aged 10 years and two, and I'm like, I just can't. It's too much, too much socializing. I
0: was actually just talking to Babe. You guys know that I'm like very extroverted. And I discovered in lockdown in 2020 that like my hobbies, like, quote, hobbies was basically going out and seeing people and experiencing things. And that came to a screeching halt. And the reality of it now is that I, I have like anxiety about being around crowds. And it's a yeah. lot, takes a lot more energy for me to be like the old Maggie. And this is something that I have to deal with moving forward as we start to like, quote, get back to normal. Um, and I'm not sure what that's going to look like. But having a kid's a great excuse to not go anywhere. That's right.
1: <laughs> oh, like his nap schedule, you know. <laughs> well, guys. This has been an impressively long podcasting session. I'm sure that your wonderful editing skills. That's exactly what I'm thinking about right now. Oh, Oh, I'm so sorry, Kristen. You can make it two parts. (laughs) I know you hate editing and it's like awful. (laughs) It's going to be so good, though. Thank you both so much for doing this. Of course. Uh, course. Priya, do you want to do the honors of seeing us out? (laughs)
2: Oh, my God. Do you remember You're the thinking. tagline? It's okay if you don't. I always, I always forget it. Like, I know it. And then right before you asked me this last time, I totally forget it again.
0: Okay, but this is like my fear. What if I called into a radio station? And they're like, what's your favorite radio station? And then you forget <laughs> what radio station you call.
2: <laughs> That's not
1: that bad. It's we have delighted you long enough. Okay. We
2: have delighted you long enough.
1: <laughs> Bye. Bye.